Welcome to the Legal One podcast, brought to you by Legal One, the leader in school law training in the state of New Jersey. Legal One is part of the NJPSA and FEA family, so we are thrilled to be offering this podcast to you as a way to help you gain a greater understanding of critical legal issues. We want to provide you with convenient, easy access to essential information. Each episode is 30 minutes or less, so it provides a timely way for you to get information. In each episode, we're going to be reviewing critical legal principles based on case law, statute, regulation, or other key guidance. We'll talk about why that issue matters today and how the law has evolved. We'll talk about key steps in working with parents and other critical stakeholders to positively address the issues in question and know how to get a greater level of understanding of these issues. So let's get started. And thank you so much for joining us for the Legal One podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Legal One podcast. My name is John Worthington. I'm an education law specialist with Legal One. I've been doing this for four years now with the office. And with me today is Gita Vogel. Hello, Gita. Hi, John. Nice to see you today. Like John, I have been with Legal One four years, and I am co-chair of the Mental Health and Wellness Committee. And within that responsibility, I am also coordinator of signs matter. Well, welcome, Gita, and thanks for joining me today. Today, we have an important topic. Um, Just to step back for a second, my focus on education law has always been special ed law. So we'll be talking about, I think, a very important special ed topic today. We'll be looking at dangerousness, threat assessments, and how you work with students with disabilities when these situations arise in the schools. So most of you probably are aware that Governor Murphy signed new legislation, Public Law 2022, Chapter 83, and that addresses threat assessments in the schools. It requires every school district and in every school to set up a threat assessment team by next school year. So that would be by next July 2023. You have to have a threat assessment team in each school. It will be comprised of certain people. CST members hopefully will be on the team. People that are allowed on it are a school psychologist, counselor, social worker, others experienced in counseling. So hopefully every district will, at least on some of their threat assessment teams, include CST members along with principal, teachers, other district staff are part of these teams. And this, when we looked at the law, it really brings to the forefront an issue of you're assessing threat to the school. So if a student's going to act in a certain way that could be a threat to self or others, how do you address those situations? I will note that in that legislation, they specifically indicate that when you're assessing threat and you're looking at your school building, you have to remember to comply with the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973, when you're assessing these threats and addressing them with regard to individual students. And so, wanted to stress this. I think it's a timely issue while you're developing these plans. The rules are rather unique for students with disabilities when you're talking about assessing threat by a student with a disability, and especially when you're addressing those threats for a student with disabilities. Disciplining those students, removing those students is a little bit different than it is for general ed students. And so you have to keep that in mind when you're looking at these students and make sure all the rights that they have under both state and federal laws are adhered to when you're looking at that. And so 
I wanted to step aside for a second or step back, have Gita talk a little bit about if you could talk, you know, the, the care, the services, when you're looking at these underlying issues, because the point of these teams is we're going to assess the threats and the like to individual schools in all the districts and, you know, the 600 plus districts in the state. When you're looking at that, you know, how do you look at the issues? How do you help the students that are involved in the threat assessments? Because I think it's important. Yes, you have to deal with the threats. You have to make sure the schools are safe, but you also want to work with these students when you're assessing them and help them. So before I go into the details of how you address students with disabilities, specifically in the discipline and other contexts, I wanted to get, uh, you know, have Gita just talk a little bit about that area and working with these students. Thanks, John. It's my favorite topic, so I could go on forever, but I realize we're limited in the recording time. It's very important and cannot be overemphasized that those working on the team and actually everyone involved in the school environment know the school environment. I always say, do the walls talk to you? How well do you know the culture of your school? How well do you know the interactions? We're not asking you to get into personal business. We are asking that you listen and you have to listen immediately. It's not as if you need to wait for a threat assessment for this process to begin. So what is that called? It's called connection. It's called timing. It's called getting to know your population. Anyone and everyone who works in the school will have interaction with the kids. Listen to them. It's so very important. Also, John, I wanted to mention, and I know you feel it's important as well, what are your connections to outside agencies? Who can you call? Who can you rely on? And that's both the agency name and individuals within the agencies. But the time is of the essence. Get to know it now. That's why it's a threat assessment team that John is referring to. If you are the responsible person in the district and make those decisions, delegate. And then you come together again as a multidisciplinary team, ready to look at individual students and perhaps even collectively know the groups. All essential to seeing uh, the happy face of a school that you will understand and be able to deal with when things don't go so well. Thank you, Gita. So now I want to address a little bit of step back, talk a little about how do you address situations, the threat assessment team is met, you're, you're doing your work, and a situation comes up with an individual student. And so we're going to focus on students with disabilities here today. So general ed students are about 85% of your population, we're focusing on the 15% that are your students with disabilities. So you, your team is working, people in the district, as you know, Nikita, you know, everyone, it's a, it's a team effort. You're all paying attention to what's going on. You see a social media posting, kids say they heard someone talking, there's a threat made against perhaps other students, um, staff in the building, maybe the students threatening to hurt themselves. Remember, it's self or others, danger to self or others. 
In those situations, you have to remember that when you have a student with a disability, there is a process you need to follow if you're going to impose discipline. And essentially, if you're going to remove the student from the school setting for any period of time, there's a process you're going to need to follow in order to do that. So, you know, do keep in mind if there's a serious threat, there's weapons involved, whatever, certainly you're going to make referrals to the police. So you would do that initially. You would certainly make your school safe. So if there's a need to remove a student for a period of time while you take further steps, you would always make sure you keep your building safe. Uh, remember, too, there's the Department of Children and Families, Perform Care, other entities out there with resources. Might not be your initial referral, but there are other resources out there you want to, and I'm certainly going to ask Gita to talk a little bit about this, but you, you really want to focus a little on how do you help the student? Initially, you're going to keep the building safe. You're going to keep others safe, depending on what the threat is. But eventually, you also want to talk about what do I do to help this student and other students? Uh, yes, you want safety, but you also want to help all the students that are in your building. And so I, it's a common practice for districts to make a referral of students to get psychiatric clearance before they can return to school. They receive information indicating perhaps there's a threat against other students, staff, whoever it might be. They require students to go out, get the clearance, and then you're allowed to return to school. This actually, there is nothing in law or regulation allowing for such a procedure. It occurs with general ed students. But when you're talking about a general or special education student, I should say, there are procedures in the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act and state regulations that you need to follow. So initially, yes, you can remove the student. You're not going to maintain a harmful situation. But if you want the student removed, you want a psychiatric exam, you need to file with your board attorney with the Department of Ed for a due process hearing, a special ed due process hearing. And you need a judge to say the student is actually dangerous. They can order the psychiatric exam if they choose to. They can also order a removal of up to 45 days, calendar days, that is, not school days. But it is up to a judge to do that. A district can remove a student with a disability if they possess drugs, if they have a weapon, if they inflict serious bodily injury district can do that on its own for up to 45 days. When you consider a student danger, which is what you're talking about with threat assessments, there's an indication that the student is a danger to self or others. You need a judge to actually agree and remove that student with a disability. So you have to be prepared. You have to show the judge what is it that caused this concern on the part of the district. Often it's postings online. Other students are telling you what was said in the cafeteria, on the school bus, wherever it might be. Whatever those indications are of dangerousness is what you would utilize to seek the removal of the student. And then if the judge agrees that you actually have the proofs, the student will be removed for the time period ordered by the judge. If the judge agrees a psychiatric screening is inappropriate, the judge can order that too. While the student's removed, the district could change the student's placement if it's appropriate. And remember, by the district, I actually mean the IEP team, not the district itself. It's not something ordered by an administrator. It's something determined by an IEP team under the idea that's the only one that can change a placement. So that's who would have to do that if it's determined appropriate for the student. And I think that has to be mixed into how are we caring for the student? How are we addressing the underlying issues? Where's the best educational setting? 
to do that. You want to make sure you address that to help the student and to keep others safe. But do remember, you need to follow these procedures. It is not simply, please, you, you're not returning to school until you get a psychiatric clearance. A judge needs to order the removal of the student after a short-term suspension while you go to court, which you will get there for an emergent hearing within a day or so. And so you have to focus on that. Keep it in mind. Follow the procedures. Keep your building safe. Serve the student. Protect others. Address any situations that might be causing this. Look for the underlying causes, whatever they might be. Address them during that time. And if needed and if appropriate, you might change the educational setting. Do remember, too, while the student's removed, you're still going to educate that student. Home instruction or other type of instruction, you're still going to educate them by day five, just as required by general ed laws and under special ed laws. You're going to always you know, have an educational program provided to the student. Even if removed, they're still entitled to their free appropriate public education. So you have to remember to adhere to all the procedures, follow those procedures, work with your board attorney. Districts can't go to court on their own. As a public uh, governmental agency, they have to go with an attorney. So make sure as part of creating this threat assessment team, you have child study team members on the team, you're aware of your legal obligations, and you follow them when you know, dealing with any of these threats. And that is a very br brief overview of the legal obligations and more of a reminder of your legal obligations. But I do want Gita you know, to talk a little bit about working with the students. And if you could please focus a little, because I think people sometimes lose sight of threat to self or others. It's not just threat to others. Remember, you can have suicidal ideation and the like and be a threat to yourself. Just as important to deal with that. You want to keep all kids safe. And so you have to remember that when you're looking at these students. And so Gita, if you could talk a little bit about that, um, we'd appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks again, John. I always enjoy listening to you and the clarity with which you present the information for all of us. One of the things that is extremely important in understanding the student comes from the parents. That isn't to say that they are going to dominate what you do in the school. Let's take a more positive view. And I look at that as meaningful parental involvement. Have the IEP team, school counselors, in fact, anyone who has worked with the child and has made a difference or is creating that educational process to work for the child is probably someone who has information and can share or is expected to interact with the parent at appropriate times. You don't want a district making several calls to a parent. And that's what I mean about meaningful interaction with them. Please, please, please keep them informed. John talked about self-harm. What are the signs? They're often vague, yet they can be bold. And it's best to work with the team that you have who hopefully has the understanding of the child and knows the child, knows the behavior, and can see change. It's intercepting that change that can make a difference. Sometimes it's a child who stops going to after-school activities. That's very loud and clear that something is... Uh, a miss. 
And it isn't because their grades are necessarily bad, good, or otherwise. That may be one indicator, but there are other things in a school that create the climate and culture. Is the child participating? What is the child thinking? Talk to those individuals who understand and who know the child. Again, open up new pathways of communication. Does the child seem down and out? If that child is more passive than active in social situations, is this a change? And what would you do about it? Who would you communicate with? Please pay attention to those signs. And as I said before, they're often subtle. When you're talking to a child, if you want to just get to know them a little better, ask him, what do people say about you? What do you say about yourself? What do you like about other people? Have them converse about themselves. Get them involved. Maybe they feel a disconnect to the school that has something to do with family issues. You're not probing for that. What you are doing is getting to know the child. Once you know that child, more so than what you did, then you will start to see or understand what are potential risks and signs of issues that would lead to self-harm and, in fact, potential for harming others. Ask a child, what do you care about? Tell me about your day, and I'll share some of my activities. I'm interested in football. What's your favorite team? My favorite team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, okay. You know, something like that gives you a chance to know the child does have an interest. And that way you can spark that thought, keep it going, and at least you have opened up a connection. Don't be afraid to get involved. Just depersonalize it. In a sense, make it an activity that they won't mind coming back to you. That's keeping the lines of communication open. Very important, too, as I was talking about sports teams, what are their influences? Sometimes those topics are covered in various writing activities throughout the school. If you could say to a child, if you had to write about someone now, who would you write about and why? It gets their thinking going. You understand their thinking. And then listen for the words that might be indicative of either unhappiness, frustration, something beyond the norm for their age that's creating issues at this point. Please, please, please remember to be the best listener you can be.
Thank you, Gita. And thank everyone for attending today. I know this is a, a short overview of your legal requirements and things to think about when you're looking at it. And that's what I want to remind everyone before we wrap up. Yes, you have your legal obligations. Make sure you adhere to them, work with your board attorney. But you know, Gita's passion and knowledge obviously comes through when she's speaking. You got to really think about that. Part of these threat assessment teams is ass assessing issues, dealing with issues, improving climate and culture. It ties into a lot of other laws. You really want to work to address these issues, hopefully before they become an issue, and you don't have to escalate it to a higher level. And so we thank you for attending today. As far as gaining more knowledge about this topic, we certainly, in late November, we have hot issues in special education coming up, part three of the special ed litigation cert course, and a lot of other courses, seminars that we offer at Legal One. So we certainly invite you to attend any of those courses and work with us. You know, there's always a chance in those courses to interact, ask your questions. We can have discussions. So we really can dig a lot deeper if you join us for any of the courses that we're doing at Legal One or in your school districts if you invite us there. So thank you again for attending today. And thank you, Gita, for joining me. Gita, I want to give you a chance to sign off before we end our podcast. Well, I just wanted to wish everyone a good rest of the school year and enjoy what you're doing. Thank you, Gita, for joining me. And thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you would like more information on the topics we covered, a full list of episodes, or a preview of upcoming topics, please visit our website at www.njpsa.org legal1nj.